It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for subscribing. I appreciate that as well. If you haven't already subscribed, go to the PeteCallenerShow.com, click subscribe, and then you're subscribed. Or you could probably do it right there on the smartphone or the tablet. Uh, There's probably a button right there on the podcasting platform. And uh, people ask me this, by the way. They say, what's the best platform that I should listen to you on? And it doesn't matter. I get credit no matter where you are listening. So whatever platform you prefer is totally fine with me. You can also become a patron just like Juanita and Pamela and Steven, Jim and Robbie, Jan, Daryl, Daniel, Jocelyn, Gary, Trent, and David. They all became uh, patrons of the program just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com. There's a link at the top there. You get exclusive content like our live stream. We're doing that tonight. So uh, come and join us. All right, so if North Carolina uh, legalizes medicinal marijuana, I think it's going to be in large part because of uh, a bunch of military veterans. Seven, uh, Senate Bill 711 is called the Compassionate Care Act, and this uh, came up for a hearing and a debate, not a vote yet, in committee yesterday. Now, kicking off the debate, the chairman, Senator Danny Britt, noted the large number of people in attendance and then gave a bit of a special shout out. Uh, If you were not here for the General Statutes Commission bills, I assume you may be here for this one. It is Senate Bill 711. Um, Senator Rabin to explain the bill. And Senator Lee. Thank you, Senator Jeff Jackson, for joining us today in person. So, <laughs> what is that about? All right. So, what is that about? Okay, Senator Jeff Jackson. He is a Democrat from Mecklenburg County. He of the tweet storm during the uh, snowstorm several years ago that got him a lot of attention. He's the guy that was uh, contemplating a run for U.S. Senate against Tom Tillis uh, what two years ago and, or a year ago, <clears throat> and. Uh, he uh, he eventually said no. He, he he said he wasn't going to run because he had consulted with U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer, who asked him what he's going to do to win the race. And Jeff Jackson told Schumer that he was going to go on this 100 county tour. And Schumer said, wrong answer. I'm going to lock you in a windowless basement and you're going to dial for dollars. And that's and, and Jeff Jackson says, I won't do that. And so he doesn't. Uh, run for U.S. Senate. Um, and Cal Cunningham did. <laughs> and Cal Cunningham sat in the windowless basement and dialed for dollars. And then, of course, his whole campaign imploded when he uh, when it was revealed he had uh, affairs. Anyway, the uh, so that was Jeff Jackson. Now he's running for U.S. Senate for the seat that's going to be vacated by Richard Burr. And uh, he has been doing his 100 county tour of the state as part of this campaign. And uh, so he hasn't been there apparently a lot. He hasn't been around. And so Danny Britt making the comment, hey, good to see you in person, <laughs> finally in a committee. Now, uh, I'm not sure it actually worked out so well because Jeff Jackson apparently fell asleep during this committee. And I uh, I 
I was watching it, and so I recorded it, and I put it out there. I was like, he seems to have fallen asleep. And I have now noticed that um, the uh, campaigns for the Democrats that, that are running against him in the primary, uh, they are now having a bit of fun at his expense over that. And this was supposedly the issue that he was uh, all about. He was making this a big part of his campaign, the legalization of marijuana. All right. Um, and so this is at least for medicinal purposes. I got to be honest, I haven't followed his campaign very closely because, well, I mean, he's been traveling around the state a lot. So uh, I see the videos that he posts, but I really don't watch them because they're just, you know, these two or three minute uh, pieces. Anyway, um, this has apparently been something that his Democratic opponents have noted he's running on. And when he shows up in person, finally, to the debate or to the hearing about this, he never actually made any comments about it. And apparently he dozed off, <laughs> which, look, I get it. <clears throat> Some of these meetings are boring. It's one o'clock. You just had lunch. Like I, I like I didn't do it as an attack. I just thought it was kind of funny that he's sitting there and his Democratic colleague from also Mecklenburg County is right behind him talking, Natasha Marcus, Senator Marcus, and she's talking and he's just like asleep, like a foot in front of her. And then when she finishes, he kind of like stirs awake and his eyes kind of blink open. You know, you, you know, like when you're sl when you're trying to stay awake somewhere and you you start to literally nod off and you, your head like jerks back up when you wake up. That's kind of what he did. So, uh, OK, well, anyway, on to the discussion. State Senator Michael Lee from New Hanover, uh, he is one of the co-sponsors of uh, the uh, the bill, and he said the way they tried to write this is very, very tight, very narrow, so as to not open the door for legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes. We know a lot about the risks of recreational marijuana use. We know a lot about it. I have teenagers, I know about it. Um, but what we're talking about today here is medical marijuana. We're, we're talking about making available to those with chronic serious conditions and in most instances engaging in palliative care. So uh, before I kind of launched into the bill, I, I wanted to go ahead and set the framework because a lot of times we get kind of, at least in my discussions, have all gotten into the the debate about um, recreational marijuana. So uh, kind of hitting the, the meat and potatoes of the bill, because I know mm -hmm. there will probably be a lot of questions. First, what are the debilitating conditions? Cancer, epilepsy, HIV, AIDS, Crohn's, sickle cell, Parkinson's, PTSD, subject to evidence an applicant has experienced one or more traumatic events, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, cachexia, uh, wasting syndrome, nausea in connection with, with treatment for some of these debilitating conditions. And that's kind of the framework of the bill um, originally. All right, and this really is the major obstacle to passage, at this point at least, that there is a belief that any and all attempts to decriminalize marijuana, even if it's just for strictly medical purposes, that it's simply an effort to legalize it for recreational purposes. It's the biggest argument, as he just mentioned. Every time you start talking about this, people start talking about recreational use. And they got to keep dragging everybody back to the point that this is only for medicinal purposes. Now, part of the problem is that a lot of other states that have uh, opened up marijuana for medicinal purposes, um, it's all been sort of a ruse. It's been cover. Right. It's uh, it's like a wink and a nod that, yeah, it's medicinal, quote unquote. And then they just write prescriptions for pot for anything. 
And that is not what these bill sponsors are doing. And look, I say all of this as one who favors the decriminalization of marijuana. I do. I favor that. And I have for decades. Um, but I also understand that a lot of people don't. I'm a realist in this regard. And so I, the first thing that I would prefer to see happen, um, if, if we're not going to legalize it for recreational use, then you should at least let people who are dying be able to use it. Because really, honestly, how dare you? Seriously, like, how dare you? You this These people are dying of cancer. And if this is the only thing that they can take to make their final days on Earth bearable, who are you to say that they should not do that? So um, so to me, like that's and I know that that is not a persuasive argument. It's a shaming argument. And I know that's not going to persuade people. But that's I mean, that's how I feel about it. There are, there are people here that are gonna, they're going to make way better arguments. <laughs> OK, so just I want to put my cards on the table so people know like, oh, well, Pete, you just want to see it all decriminalized. And I do. But I also recognize that I'm not going to have that debate when you're debating the use for medical purposes. Because this bill calls for also the UNC system to conduct, quote, objective scientific research regarding the administration of cannabis as part of medical treatment, which has been really like for for a very, very long time, for decades in America, research into cannabis was not permitted. And so we're way behind on some of this stuff in figuring out the actual benefits and the, the risks, the harms as well. So the intent is to examine the development of, quote, quality control, purity and labeling standards for medical cannabis dispensed through this system, as well as sound advice and recommendations on the best practices for the safe and efficient cultivation of cannabis and analysis of genetic and healing properties of the many varied strains of cannabis to determine which strains may be best suited for a particular condition or treatment, right, to treat this uh, this plant and the research into it as if it has value. And for a long time, that hasn't been the case. Senator Lee said that the legislation also creates two boards. There will be a medical advisory board to examine research. And then there's a uh, and, and give updated guidance and that sort of thing. So a medical advisory board. And then there's a license issuing commission to review applicants. And you're going to be capped at 10 licensees so distributors basically providers suppliers you're going to be the state will have 10 they will all be able to operate i believe it is four uh dispensaries but they're going to get licenses to manage the seed to sale process as he calls it something that was of particular concern uh, to me uh, as a parent and probably to a lot of other folks is just like any other kind of medication child resistant packaging but something else that was really important to me is what a dispensary looks like um, and also what the product looks like. Uh, in the bill, it provides for different methods um, uh, for a patient to be able to uh, take the medication, whether it's through an edible or uh, vaporization, smoke, tincture. There, there's a lot of different uh, methods, and the reason for the methods really depend upon the debilitating condition. Uh, it, the um, products are, have to be designated, marketed, packaged in a manner that's appropriate for a medicinal product. It cannot resemble a commercially sold candy or other type of food uh, that's typically marketed to children, and that, and that was important to me. Uh, the actual dispensary, I know a lot of folks um, have been concerned about that as well. 
Um, I mean, it, it, there's a whole kind of, I'll call it an architecture review process, for lack of a better word, um, as far as what kind of signage they can have, can it be lighted, and essentially the idea is that it, it looks like a typical commercial building and not like what comes to your mind when you think of a dispensary uh, with lighted signs and um, a leaf on the side. Uh, none of that's allowed by this particular bill. See, so it seems like the authors here are very aware and sensitive to the criticisms uh, from opponents and the worry, the concern that they have that this is the slippery slope, right? Now, if you've got a slope in your yard and you're like, I don't know how to mow this. I don't know how to weed eat it. I don't know how to take care of it to tend it with the tools that I've got. Well, you're in luck because general equipment rental can help you They'll arm you with the right tools, the right outdoor power equipment, whether it's Husqvarna or Honda, because they are your official licensed uh, dealers for those uh, those lines, for those models. But also, maybe you just want to level the slope, you know, but you don't have the tool to do it. Well, then you rent one from General Equipment Rental, right? You get one of the big earth movers or whatever, and you flatten out the land, and then it's way easier to deal with. And uh, look, if you don't uh, have any experience using one of these pieces of equipment, it's okay. They will show you how to use it. Uh, they'll guide you. They'll help you pick the right one uh, that you need for the job, for the size of the project. So you get it done right and fast, and you don't break their equipment. <laughs> so that's why that's the main reason, I think, why they, why they uh, teach you how to use it before you take it home. Uh, or if you're a contractor, if you're looking for mowers like a a stand-on mower, commercial-grade equipment, they've got that as well. Head on over to General Equipment Rental. They're in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Uh, or you can go to their website, generalrents.com. Remember, 10% off your first rental. General Equipment Rental, family-owned and operated for three generations, generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. One of the other uh, sponsors of this bill is Senator Bill Rabin. He's a Republican from uh, down east. And he said that this is the most tightly regulated and controlled medicinal marijuana bill of its type in the 30 plus states that allow medical cannabis. To some people, it is a contentious issue. Uh, and to some people, it is not. I happen to be one that it is not. Um, I'm a cancer survivor. Uh, I know I know how uh, how rough it is to go through chemo. Uh, I know how bad it is to uh, wake up every day and think that it may be your last day on earth. Uh, and there are a lot of people out there that feel the same way. And it is just what it says. Uh, it, is, uh, uh, it is a compassionate care act. Uh, I think there's nothing less compassionate on this earth than to watch a person you love suffer when there's something that can ameliorate at least that suffering. I'm not going to say that they will live a day longer, but I can say this, every day they're alive, they will live better. And that's important. It's important as a caregiver. Um, I've spent my life uh, taking care of things that uh, uh, needed me uh, to assist. Uh, I swore an oath uh, to relieve suffering, and I always did. But unlike our friends and humans, uh, when the time came in my profession that uh, the suffering was too great or they could not get better, uh, I was able to, uh, hopefully with dignity, um, end that life quickly and as painfully, 
painlessly as possible. Well, we don't have that with human beings. So I think that it is uh, a challenge to us to see that our fellow man is treated as humanely uh, and as compassionately as possible, and that if we can uh, uh, assist in that, and if we can alleviate some of the anguish and some of the pain uh, that that person goes through, and that the person and people who love that person go through by helping that individual, um, we should be willing to do it. Uh, I, I just, and it's a personal thing with me. I don't see the stigma that some people do. I don't see it. But those are my eyes. And I see the world through my eyes. And I walk the world in my shoes. And no one else in this room does the same. Not for me, you do it for yourself. And uh, I, think it is, uh, I, th I think it is time to bring this forward. This is something that um, I started 11 years ago and said that I would do. I may fall flat on my face, but I'm going to see it through as best I can. I owe it to my fellow man. And I think you do too. But that's for you to decide. So his co-sponsor on the legislation, Senator Lee, said that there will be a cap, as I mentioned earlier, 10 licenses with up to four dispensaries per license. So my math says about 40 total in the state. Uh, we went with 10 because we felt like we didn't want it to be the wild, wild west North Carolina. A lot of other states that we've looked at kind of experienced this kind of massive um, um, amount of folks coming into the state. It's a, there's another uh, residency type requirement in here to prevent that as well. But we really wanted to make sure we got the regulatory piece correct. Um, and in order to do that, we wanted to limit the number of licenses and then have that requirement that they go into certain geographic areas so that we make sure we have the distribution and folks had access within a certain period, within a certain drive distance. All right. So Senator Wiley Nickel, he's a Democrat from Wake County. He's on board. You know, the time has come for medical marijuana in North Carolina. We are one of a small minority of states that don't allow for medical marijuana. And this is this is a very strict bill. This isn't like I stub my toe or NC State lost. I need medical. I need marijuana. This is <laughs> this is very serious, you know, pain management and and very, very legitimate uses. And the reason I support it is personal. Um, my father died from cancer, and I went through the end of his life while he took chemo and radiation, and he used medical marijuana. He used marijuana illegally during that time, and it was very beneficial for him. And we should never, ever deny anyone that ability to use legitimate drugs that are helpful for them, especially at the end of their life. Right. So remember, there are there's a list here of the um, of the conditions: cancer. Epilepsy, HIV, AIDS, Crohn's disease, post-traumatic stress disorder, and multiple sclerosis, including for those suffering uh, uh, nausea related to hospice care, uh, wasting syndrome. Right, so there are there are actual delineated conditions, and the PTSD uh, is defined as well. That you have to have you know triggering events that are actually documented from you know one experience that is documented, uh, and so and then it all goes through this uh, this checkpoint system with the doctors and then the DHHS board uh, that it's going to the regulatory board that's housed under them that's going to be you know uh, giving uh, basically patients their uh, their permits. 
essentially to get this. So like, this is not my ideal. Like me personally, this is not my ideal scenario, but I understand that it's worth it for people who need this drug to be able to get it. It's the same reason I supported Donald Trump's right to try. You know, when people are dying, they have the right to try legislation. Like they they should be able to try drugs that alleviate the pain or might actually save their lives, even though they're experimental or, uh, you know, they're on a list of, ooh, that's a bad drug, right? I mean, opioids are a bad drug. They have some benefit for some people, and so that's why they get prescribed. And they have really terrible consequences for a lot of people. And then they get abused. So, like, I look at marijuana the same way. If there are benefits here for people, I think they should be able to use them. But then State Senator Mujaba Mohammed then makes the case that actually works against passage of this kind of legislation. And Senator Abin, I've talked to you a little bit about this. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you see the world through your eyes, right, and your own personal experiences that you've had. Um, and I see the world through my eyes as well. Mm -hmm. And as an attorney who's worked in the criminal justice system for far too long, I'll tell you, marijuana use is obviously one of the most illegal substances, Ill illegally used substances across the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some numbers here from the School of Government. In right, North Carolina alone, we've had over 36,000 uh, marijuana-related criminal charges. Yet, 61% of those that were convicted for marijuana use are people of color across North Carolina. And taking that perspective of looking at the world from my eyes, I see people who are now sitting in jail cells. Correct. Because they've lost their jobs, they're mm -hmm. losing housing because they can't make money bail. I see our law enforcement stretched thin because they're having to prioritize these types of offenses as well. We're taking away DAs and public defenders and judges in our state budget. All right, hang on a second. All right. A lot of cops are not actually prosecuted or uh, they're not actually going after low level marijuana uh, users, at least not in not in Asheville, <laughs> uh, in and in other cities, I suspect as well. Now it's an opportunity for them to interact with you, and then probable cause and all of that. I get all of that, and look again, I want the decriminalization of it as well. But this is not a good line of attack or argument when you're trying to promote a bill for medicinal use. Because apparently we don't have the funds, Senator Britt, but. I would ask you, if you're moving towards medical marijuana, to seriously l take a look at the people who are involved in the criminal justice system. Over two dozen states have already moved towards decriminalization of marijuana. And I think a great step, like this General Assembly has done, we talked about it earlier, about second chances and second opportunities, is looking at decriminalization here, at least for low levels of marijuana, up to an ounce and a half in this bill. I think it will save the state money as well and resources. Um, it will be a much more equitable and just bill if you include that in here. You're going to kill – it's it's not going to be equitable. You're going to kill the bill, though, Mohammed, Senator Mohammed. You're going to kill the bill. Because there are not enough people in the General Assembly that are going to support the decriminalization of marijuana for recreational use. Know your audience. Senator Mohammed, I, uh, uh, I understand completely what you, what you uh, are saying and what you ask. Uh, however, this bill uh, does not and, and will not address that fact. Uh, this drill, this bill is what it is, and and, and I, I heard your compassion, but uh, this bill is simply for people with severely severe debilitating diseases uh, to improve their quality of life. Uh, I think uh, what you're talking about 
uh, would have to stand uh, on its feet uh, in another bill, another time, by another sponsor. Right. It's just not, in other words, not happening with this bill. I'm here to advance a medical marijuana bill, not a recreational decriminalization bill. Feel free to run that, which apparently they have, Muhammad has, uh, but it doesn't go anywhere. Why? Because it doesn't have the support. And so what are, you, what are you doing here, man? I mean, I understand making the argument, if that's what you feel like you need to do, but, but all you're doing is helping to further conflate and confuse these two separate issues. When they're, when they're, the bill sponsors are going to such lengths to prove to the uh, to those who are wary of passage of any kind of decriminalization effort, they're taking all these steps to assure people it's not the same. And here you come along, like, well, you really should put these together. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Now, what you should do is make sure your roof is in good condition. And if it's not, or you're not sure, call my friends at Balkan Roofing, the Balkan family. They're uh, you know multi generation. Uh, in the roofing business, you know, uh, Bob's dad was in it and Bob and Heather and their daughter, Lauren, they're, they're all in it. And um, and Heather's husband. And now they got their baby. And I think the baby, they're not putting the baby on the roof yet, um, but it's not going to be long. <laughs> anyway, uh, they'll give you a free estimate. OK, they will give you a free estimate. And a lot of times it's they'll just say, you know, your roof's fine. Don't worry about it. Call us back. And, you know, if you got any problems or, you know, five years or so down the road um, and then you get peace of mind. Now, you can take advantage of some guy that rolls up in your driveway with the ladder in the back of the pickup truck. And he's like, hey, I can fix your roof. I can do a roof job for you. And, you know, he'll charge you very little money and you're going to get a very, very cheap roof. And then you're going to have to call Balkan. They'll come out and they'll fix the roof because that's actually a major part of the work that they do is fixing all of the other roofers poor jobs. So uh, give them a call at 628-0390 or go to BalkanRoofing.com. That's B-A-L-K-E-N Roofing.com. 628-0390. Tell them you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. Again, BalkanRoofing.com. All right. Next up is Republican Michael Lazaro. He is uh, from down east Jones and Onslow counties as well. And here you're going to you start to hear some of, I think, the most powerful uh, arguments in favor of medicinal marijuana, and it has to do with servicemen and women. As you know, I'm in District 6. I serve a military community, home of uh, Camp Lejeune. And North Carolina is the fourth largest military footprint in the country. And our servicemen and women have been in a war for over two decades, over 20 years in the Middle East. They're coming home and they're being treated for PTSD, TBI, and many other ailments with extremely powerful drugs, antidepressants, oxycodone, Percocet, and they're in extreme pain. Our suicide rates are through the roof, and they continue to get worse. Studies have shown that medical cannabis is a great reliever in lieu of these very powerful drugs that are leading men and women to suicide. And as North Carolinians, we should be very concerned about that. Their studies have shown that this is a great tool in the toolbox to keep men and women alive. These are your brothers, your sisters, your daughters, your relatives that are going to war and coming home damaged as they have been for many, many decades. 
This is a reasonable method, and we should all give it some consideration. State Senator Chuck Edwards, Republican from Henderson County, I give him credit for this. He said he has been opposed to decriminalization efforts for a while. I'm so glad you're here today to, to, to tell us of this struggle, and I recognize that you being here introducing this bill is sincerely a compassionate effort on your part. I'm grateful that I can't see this problem through your eyes. I've been very blessed that I've not been affected by any of the things that you're suggesting that that this drug address. Um, I came to Raleigh knowing that there would be some discussion about marijuana uh, and on my way down here the first time, my uh, uh, opinion was, this ain't going to happen in my lifetime, uh, because I, I, I do have a number of concerns uh, morally and, and otherwise. But I'm trying my best to look at this with open eyes, and, uh, and I might be convinced, but I'm going to have a number of questions, and I'm hoping I'm part of all four committees that this is going to go through uh, because I'll never get them all answered in in one committee but let me start let me start with this question you mentioned that this bill is tighter than any other state out there one of my concerns is the mockery that I see or feel that I see uh, that this drug has had in other states. It, can you give us any concrete comparison uh, in how this bill is different than some other states? For example, is there a table somewhere that says this is how they make it a joke in California, but this is what we're doing differently in North Carolina that would uh, convince me uh, th- that North Carolina would not treat this as a mockery as, as in other states. Fair point. Fair question. I Senator thought. Lee. So um, when I first got involved, I worked with a lot of folks on staff and said, hey, is there a model bill? Clearly not a model bill. And I said, well, can I get some of the good bills? And then I got some of the bills. And, and a lot of it comes down to um, the uh, – the difference in, in what I will call the seed-to-sell requirement on the licensee, um, the control that's really there, even though the, uh, other states will tell you, well, we've got this sophisticated inventory control, um, you know, barcoded from so that you can be a cultivator, go to a, a different manufacturer, go to a different retailer. Um, for us, we really wanted this more um, defined uh, accountability for each of the 10 licensees by requiring them to do all three, allowing them to sell between each other because one may have an expertise in the tincture um, because it's apparently a pretty complicated manufacturing process versus some of the other processes. Um, Another piece of the puzzle really is the debilitating conditions. Um, You'll see a lot of uh, states that say chronic pain. And chronic pain means different things to different people and different physicians. And I'll give you the example of my friend whose son went to California and said, I have chronic headaches, and he was able to get a, a referral immediately in the first uh, appointment. Um, the other context would be the, the physician-patient relationship that's required. Another piece of this puzzle um, that some states have done is to have this uh, residency requirement 
um, for the businesses so we didn't have this influx of folks coming in from other areas that had done it differently and and had done it under different a different regulatory process that was not quite as tight. The licensee approach of having DHHS vet them first and then move to a completely separate group uh, to then further vet it was kind of another safety valve. So there's, there's kind of a, a, a number of levels. All right. So I think the way that this is constructed so far, the legislation is going to go a a long way to convincing critics or skeptics uh, that this is not the camel's nose under the tent in order to get uh, all pot decriminalized, first of all. But the second thing, I said this at the beginning, if this is going to pass, I think it's going to be in large part due to veterans. And they showed up at this hearing and or this committee meeting and they spoke. And it was the most powerful portion of the of the meeting. We're going to take a listen to their comments in a minute. First, uh, speaking of the military, if you want some real U.S. military surplus, then you go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde, just off exit 27 on I-40. So if you're heading to Maggie Valley or Cherokee or Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg or Asheville, whatever, uh, jump off the interstate. Drop on into Old Grouch's Military Surplus, pick up some ammo cans or backpacks, thermal blocking camo netting, canteen cup stoves. So if you're a hiker or a camper uh, or a hunter or a fisherman or uh, you're a prepper, whatever you need, he's got. Okay, and he gets new stuff in all the time. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Make sure you check out the first responder kits as well. These things are like bright orange. They got reflector tape, perfect for like the workplace or you're a scout group or sports team, school group. Uh, So it's easily identifiable. It's got more than 350 components inside. So you are going to be prepared for any kind of an emergency. Your source for real U.S. Military Surplus, Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde and online at Old grouch.com next up we hear from some veterans like robert elliott i am a north carolina native residing in harnett county a multi-generational farmer a marine corps veteran nc state university alumni go pack and the founder of soldier to agriculture program as well as the veterans farm of north carolina that helps hundreds of veterans in north carolina today But I'm coming to you today to tell a different bit of a story that impacted me a little bit. Um, I want to tell you a story about cancer. I'm serving as a man who I regard as my father, one of my community fathers that takes a village. Um, But I'm serving today as his voice and his family's voice because so many patients and families who find cannabis to help them are breaking the law. And many are afraid to come forward and tell their story for fear of what could happen to them. In a rural community, about 30 minutes from this very building, Warren Boone was a man devoted to his, who had devoted his entire life to two main things, his family and his community. He was a lifelong farmer as well, growing produce, vegetables, and raising cattle for his community. He was a firefighter and for several years was the chief of the local local volunteer fire department. Warren was a jovial, happy man and loved by many in his community. He was the salt of the earth and someone I was proud to call my friend. And I guarantee if he were alive today, he'd tell me to shave the beard. A little more than a year ago, Warren was given the news that no one ever wants to receive. He was told that he had advanced lung cancer with not too long to live. For many who received the news of cancer, 
this news, this is the time you realize that you need to get your affairs in order and ready yourself for the fight of your life. Warren underwent chemotherapy and other procedures to do what could be done to minimize the cancer growth. Unfortunately, minimizing cancer was not going to be successful, so Warren and his family focused on finding a solution to enhance his quality of life. The drugs and other things he was given actually degraded the quality of life he had. He could not speak, could not eat, and could not spend time with those he cared for and loved him. It was not until Warren and his family was introduced to cannabis that this, his quality of life improved and his ability to live with this awful disease of cancer was more bearable. The problem was that acquiring and using cannabis was illegal in the state of North Carolina. However, like many of you would do for yourself and your loved ones, even mentioned by Senator Rabin before, Warren and his family were prepared to take that risk because they were at a point in life where they would try anything. While Warren knew that he was most likely not going to be able to beat cancer by using cannabis, he was able to live with it in a way that enhanced his quality of life and he was able to gain back some of his appetite, endure the pain more effectively, and was able to see friends again and he was even able to find a smile to put on his face because he was able to have a better quality of life in his final days. In the end, cannabis helped my friend and his family for a higher quality of life, the same as it, is, as it has done for countless other cancer patients in North Carolina. Warren lost his life to cancer this spring. Not a day goes by that I don't think about this. I am urging you today to support Senate Bill for 711 for my friend and countless other patients in North Carolina who are seeking to live with a higher quality of life and fight through this awful disease. Thank you. So you kind of get the sense of the general messaging here. You've got people that are model citizens, good people. Uh, they are dying, and they don't want to have to break the law. In some cases, you've got law enforcement, people who are in law enforcement, and they struggle with this, and their families struggle with this. They don't want to break the law. They don't want to get caught and have a record and all that. And the family member who may be dying, who is of law enforcement background, they don't want their family members jeopardizing their own liberty for them. There are a lot of issues all packed into this, not to mention the fact that your loved one is dying. And that's what makes, I think, the law enforcement and the military uh, advocates here so impactful. By the way, <clears throat> speaking of uh, military and law enforcement, if you are in any of those professions, if you're military, you're retiree, or you're active duty, or a veteran, um, you can uh, save money buying or selling a home through a Homes for Heroes program that Rowena Patton is part of. She's the only real estate agent in the Asheville area that is a Homes for Heroes realtor. Uh, they only pick one per market, and she is it. She and her all-star powerhouse team, as part of this program, I've given back about $800,000 to local folks who are police officers, but also firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So uh, if you're buying or selling a home, call the only agent that I did, Rowena Patton. Her phone number again, 828-333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call. Tell her you heard it here on the podcast. Uh, and uh, then start packing. Now, there were two people who spoke against this. Number one was Mark Creech, the executive director of the Christian Action League. And I admit to you that I am moved by the stories I've heard today, but 
A 2017 study of the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry found that rates of marijuana use and addiction increased significantly more in the states that passed medical marijuana laws as compared to states that had not. Examining the data 1992 to 2013, researchers concluded medical marijuana laws likely contributed to an increased prevalence of marijuana and marijuana-addicted users. Today, we are hearing both from legislators and pro-marijuana special interests about the so-called benefits of medical marijuana legalization, but I could only pray that you will see through the haze. Research is conclusive that marijuana is addictive and harmful to the brain, especially when used by adolescents. None saying... of us wants patients to be denied treatment that can help them. But studies like the one I just cited earlier to underscore the fact that medical and recreational marijuana legalization are blurred lines. Smoked marijuana is not medicine, and science has never been conclusive that it is proven safe or effective as other FDA-approved medications have. For these reasons, we urge you to resist this, and I would add, it seems to me to have been over the years, the 21 years that I've been here, something of a proclivity of this body to think that we can avoid doing what other states have done if we do what they do. But unfortunately, more often than not, that is not the case. Next up is Jerry Royal. He is with the North Carolina Family Policy Council. Medical marijuana has not been approved by the FDA, and the American Medical Association encourages state legislatures not to legalize it. Medical research continues on the use of chemicals derived from cannabis for prescription medications. At this time, the FDA has approved one CBD-based uh, medication, which is used to treat severe childhood epilepsy. There are two FDA-approved drugs containing a synthetic chemical sim similar to THC, and they are used for treatment of nausea caused by chemotherapy and increased appetite in patients with extreme weight loss caused by AIDS. But medical marijuana has not been approved. Marijuana is still classified as a Schedule I controlled substance by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. The DEA has twice denied petitions to reschedule marijuana because it does not meet the criteria for currently accepted medical use and treatment in the United States. There is a lack of accepted safety for its use under medical supervision, and it has high potential for abuse. I appreciate what has been said about compassion and about understanding the concerns of recreational marijuana. I do want to mention today's marijuana is highly potent, containing up to 65% THC, the psychoactive compound in cannabis, and it causes a myriad of negative physical, psychological, and social effects. As we've seen in other states, the legalization of marijuana can have incredibly harmful effects on individuals and families, including increased levels of drug addiction, crime, illicit drug trafficking, and motor vehicle accidents, just to name a few. Although this bill would only legalize medical use, the authorization of cannabis for medical purposes has often led to complete legalization. 
All right. So there's the concern again, complete legalization uh, and uh, the conflation of recreational and medicinal. I would point out that the people who uh, like the veterans who are uh, suffering from PTSD, they are uh, they're given a cocktail, the combat cocktail. They're given all sorts of high power addictive drugs anyway. So you're actually not short circuiting any kind of a route to addiction there. Um let me tell you real quick, Mattress Man's running a July 4th sale, and it's a great opportunity for you to pick up a brand new mattress, the Biltmore Mattress Collection by Restonic, uh, made in Fayetteville. These have edge-to-edge sleep surfaces for maximum adjustability, five support zones for proper spinal alignment, and you're going to get optimal balance of pressure point relief and support. And what does all that mean? It means a more restorative and a healthier sleep. And uh, you can go right to their website, mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link, and uh, you can apply and get pre-approved right now. They have five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, locally owned and operated four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. Now, I will say the most powerful testimony in this committee meeting came from a guy by the name of Gary Hess. I'm the founder and executive director of the Veterans Alliance for Holistic Alternatives. I served in the Marine Corps for 11 years, both enlisted as an officer. I served as a mobile assault platoon commander, a scout sniper employment officer, the assistant operations officer for special operations training group here in North Carolina. I was later recruited by the CIA special operations group and eventually walked away from all of it. In March of 2005, while conducting route security, my lead vehicle was hit with a suicide vehicle-borne improvised explosive device. <laughs> Decapitating my gunner and critically wounding two others inside of the vehicle. Two of the three Marines inside that vehicle who have survived have since taken their own lives. In July of 2005, while conducting urban operations along the Iraq and Syrian border, we were again targeted with a complex attack. As the citation reads, in the town of Husayba, Iraq, 2nd Lieutenant Hess was moving to a battle position to conduct the relief in place when heavy enemy fire erupted on a position. Lieutenant Hess immediately led his Marines through open terrain and a hail of enemy fire to the platoon in need. Lieutenant Hess deployed his Marines, exposing himself to the enemy fire time and time again to personally emplace his men. 2nd Lieutenant Hess moved from position to position to mass his own fires and spearheaded an overwhelming counterattack against the enemy force. The swift destruction of the insurgent force saved Marines under siege and facilitated the timely evacuation of wounded Marines. In less than six months on the Syrian border, we were involved in over 300 engagements in less than 180 days. And in December of 2006, which many would consider my uh, index trauma, while operating with a four-man unit away from any direct support, they drove a suicide full-size triaxle dump truck loaded with C4 into the house that we were occupying and detonated. To this day, I still hear the voice as clear as day. Josh is dead, sir. They killed Josh. He didn't have to say a word. I saw Josh's body fragments all over him. 
2008, I was honorably discharged with service-connected disabilities consistent of traumatic brain injury, complications with shoulder, spine, and ankles, severe hearing loss, insomnia, and post-traumatic stress disorder, to name a few. Within a few short years, I was unable to regulate and control my own emotions, anger, sadness, frustration, anxiety, insomnia, depression, guilt, and compulsive thoughts dominated my daily activities. They consumed me. The simple acts of waking up and going to bed became very difficult tasks. Difficult to the point that I was absolutely convinced that killing myself, taking my own life, leaving behind a wife and an incredible child to live without a husband and a father was the right answer. I reached out to the VA in an effort to find a solution. From 2009 to 2017, I was prescribed the infamous combat cocktail consisting of Adderall to keep me focused and alert during the day, Ambien to put me to sleep in the evenings along with Prozac, Zoloft, and many other painkillers over time. To give you a glimpse of how my state of health degraded, between 2012 and 2016, I drove myself to the emergency room on four separate occasions in response to what I thought were heart attacks. Pain in my chest, my arm elevated pulse, shortness of breath. When I checked into the hospital for the fourth time, my blood pressure was 200 over 143. I was in my mid-30s. I couldn't understand why this was happening to me. By 2016, I was mentally broken. My wife was leaving me. My business was failing. Mental and physical health were degrading, and I could not figure it out, nor could I stop it. I was inadequate. I was a failure. In 2017, while conducting a security analysis for the government, I had the opportunity to visit a therapeutic alternative pharmacy and gained access to lab-tested pharmaceutical-grade cannabis. Within minutes of experiencing powerful triggers, the rapid delivery reduced and rid of me of the anger within minutes. On that day, my life changed for the better. It empowered me. It gave me much-needed hope. It gave my wife hope. Gave Lincoln, my new son, hope. As I integrated medical cannabis daily through a series of microdosing, I was able to start engaging in necessary conversations to begin a proactive recovery process. It reduced the muscle tension in my body. It helped ease the pain immediately. It allowed for clarity and focus. It reduced my compulsive thoughts. Within three months, I was off all of the medications prescribed by the VA. To this day, I use med medical cannabis on a daily basis. Here's the sad truth, is that if I continued to rely on the, the VA and the Western model of medicine, I would not be here today. I would love to sit here and tell you that it's only me, and it's a unique story, and overcoming insurmountable odds, but it's not. Other veterans in mass have chosen plants over pills, and in many cases still have to source it illegally to find balances balance in their lives. This is not only a veteran problem. There are thousands of North Carolina families that suffer from cancer, Parkinson, epilepsy. This, this bill will provide them with the relief that they deserve. The truth is that the medical efficacy of this plant cannot be denied, yet veterans are still instead steered toward antidepressants and antipsychotic medications that have had very little success in treating PTSD symptoms. 
In the last 15 years alone, we have lost more veterans to suicide than were lost in combat during the entire Vietnam War. In the last 20 years, there have been over a million overdoses on prescription medications. To date, just as my platoon sergeant, Gunnery Sergeant Ross said, I've lost more Marines to suicide than I have in combat. Yet medical cannabis is still being withheld from so many North Carolinians in need, including the veteran community. Gentlemen, the time for change is now. Along with 75% of North Carolinians who support the legalization of medical cannabis, I'm asking for your support for SB 711 to allow the citizens of this great state to access a natural plant medicine to provide them with the relief that they deserve. I want to take this time to thank the great leadership of Senator Rabin, Senator Lee, Senator Lowe, Senator Devier, Senator Nichols, Senator Woodard, for their continued leadership and support for not only the veteran community, but all North Carolinians in need. I want to thank you for the time to listen to my testimony today. This is not easy. PTSD is not something that you pop a pill and it just goes away. Anything that is new and unpredictable threatens the ego or sense of control, creates a significant level of anxiety that makes things like this very tough for me and many other people who suffer. This is my new mission in life, is to help people like you, as well as you gentlemen, to understand the medicinal efficacy of this plant. And I would happily have an open conversation, publicly or behind closed doors, with anyone who wants to. Thank you. Like I said, if this is going to win approval, it's going to be based on the testimony of guys like that. Uh, the bill uh, will have to go through four different committees before Senate vote on the floor and then to the House and then to the governor. Uh, we'll track its progress. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, I'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.